The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. All right, if you would, you probably know where we're going to turn already. Ephesians chapter 6. I uh, kind of felt like that preacher that I told you about one time. He, uh, he came to a church and he uh, witnessed some of his parishioners uh, as people upstream would roll the logs off in the the river they'd float down and they were roping their neighbor's logs and pulling them over and sawing the end off the log and sawing the other brand off putting their brand on and pushing them out in the river and they was floating on down to the mill so uh he he decided he would address that so he preached the first sunday on thou shalt not covet your neighbor's belongings Next week he went back and watched, and sure enough, the same group there was pulling the logs over to the side, sawing off the neighbor's brand, putting their brand, and sending them on down. So uh, he said, well, I'm going to address that. So the next Sunday he preached on thou shalt not steal. The next week he went back, and sure enough, he noticed they were pulling the logs over, sawing the brands off the neighbor's logs, putting their brands on. And so the third week he said, well, I'm going to preach on it again. So he said... Uh, thou shalt not cut your neighbor's brand off the log and put your names on there. And they asked him to leave after that sermon. They said, we've heard it three times. That's enough. Well, uh, we're going to be back in Ephesians chapter 6, uh, verse 10, and this will be our fifth message. But it will be our last, I think. I have no plans to go any farther. And uh, part of what we're going to do today is kind of look back over over what we've talked about over the last five weeks. Not in depth, but we're going to end with... Uh, with some real keys to what we've talked about in the spiritual battle. And, and our aim and our admonition today is what we're going to talk about. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 will be in verse 10 in just a moment. But a group of historians, I thought it was interesting, compiled a list of interesting facts or statistics since 3600 B.C., so 3,600 years before Christ, up through 2018, so what is that, Five fifty six thousand years, somewhere around in there, roughly. I'm just doing quick math. I should have added that up. The, and let's just round it off and say in 5,500 years, the world has only known 292 years of peace out of that many years. During this time, they compile this information, there's been 14,351 wars. 3.64 billion people have died in those wars. And if you were to place a value on the property that was destroyed during these wars, it would be equal this way. It would be a gold belt 97.2 miles wide and 33 feet thick. That's, that's how much money has been destroyed during these wars. So we could say the world has been at war since the beginning. That's true. Also, for the past three weeks, we've talked about the reality of spiritual war. And you can say that we've been in a spiritual war from the day we were born. That's true. We've been in a spiritual war from the day Adam and Eve was in the garden. That's true. 
So this war is nothing new, and we've talked about over the last few weeks becoming aware of the battle, that we are in a battle every day. We're in a a, a spiritual warfare. We we talked about our adversary in the battle, who he is and how to recognize him. We've talked about our arsenal for the battle. We spent a couple of weeks on our arsenal, the tools we have, and today we're going to conclude our study by looking at our aim and our our admonition through the Bible. In Ephesians chapter 6, let's look at this one last time, finally, Paul. Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power and put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggles, not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities and against powers in this dark world and against spiritual forces in heavenly heavenly realms. Verse 13, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, not if... But when the day of evil comes, you'll be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, put on, stand firm, then put the belt of truth buckled around your waist. With the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the righteousness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith in which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And that's where we'll stop this morning, and this will be the last part. We talked last week about those last bits of armament and the shields of faith and, uh, and the, the Word of God, which is our sword. And today we're going to look at verse 18 and kind of uh, end up with that. Before we do that, I want us just to, to quickly think about our, uh, our, our encouraging. Uh, our, Paul says he's admonishing us. He's uh, his admonition for us. And it is this, our admonition is to be strong. Our encouragement is to be strong. We're not here for a day or for a few weeks or for a few months or, or a few years. We're here for the journey. We're here for the long haul, and the journey has an ultimate destination. At the end of our journey, there's an ultimate place we're going to end up. And the thing that really just kind of came to life to me, it came alive to me as I was thinking about this and actually sitting in my study this morning looking at this, when I thought about that journey and, and thinking about the fact that we're not here for an hour or a day or a week or a month or a year, but, but folks, we are here for eternity, our soul, our, our, our bodies are going to die one day, and we're, we're, if the Lord doesn't come back first, there's some are going to still be alive and remain according to the Bible, but, but we're going to be buried, and one day the Lord's going to come with a shout so loud it wakes the dead, and the dead in Christ will rise first, and the Bible says we'll have a new body, glorified body built in Christ, and, and we will dwell forever for eternity. So when we think about our lives, I hope we can move past the point of thinking about our spiritual life in 70, 80, 90, 100 years that we're going to be gone. That's not the case. We, we are going to be alive for eternity in one of two places, heaven and hell. So that's our, that's our, only, uh, our only thought is this, I'm going to live forever. The, the, uh, the group I used to listen to a lot, Southern Gospel Group, called the Cathedrals, they had a song that said, I'm going to be alive forever, and I'm going to die, no, never. And, and Jesus died on the cross for me that I might live forever. 
And, and folks, that's the reality of who we are. You may say, oh, I'm just tired. I can't imagine living for eternity. Well, we're going to live a short time on this earth. I think it's Peter says it's kind of like our breath in the air or James or John or somebody and, and uh, they breathe it out and it's like a, a fog that comes and goes away and that's the end of our, our earthly tent. But our bodies and soul and spirit is going to live forever. And we need to be strong and we need to be prepared for that. We need to be enlightened. And we talked about our enlightenment and the, the, the domain of Satan. And, and remember this, the domain, uh, uh, our enemy, this battle is not flesh and blood. Uh, it, it's, it's not fought on earth, but it's fought in the heavens. As I was thinking about that, I thought about the folks that say, you know, this, I, I live a good life. And I'm a good person. Or maybe they're describing their husband or their child or somebody and say, you know, the, he's a good person. She's a good person. They help others. They, uh, th- they've always been a good father. They've always been a good husband. They, they give to their community. Uh, they're hard workers. They're, uh, they're, they, they're a public servant. You know, I've never heard a bad word come out of the mouth. All of those things are flesh and blood, aren't they? Where's the battle fault? spiritually. So anyone that can come to you and say, you know what, I, this just, he's just a good old guy. She's just a good old girl. There's, you know, I don't, they don't do anything. Well, remember, we, we're sinners because we've inherited that all the way back to Adam. And the battle for us is a spiritual battle, not a fleshly battle. So whatever we do in the flesh, it's not going to change the scales of our spiritual life. Of course, when we're born again, fleshly, we're going to do some things that points others to the Father. But that's not our salvation. It's a spiritual battle. So that's the domain of the enemy, the strength of the enemy. You talked about Satan is one of God's strongest created beings. We talked about that a few weeks ago. He's a, he has a loyal legions of demonic forces that follow him. So that's the, the enemy of, a, of, of, our, of, our, of our adversary, of Satan, the, the seduction of our enemy. He's a, he's a, a an angel of light. He parades around as an angel of light. He's a wolf in sheep's clothing. The Bible says he's a father of lies, that he came to kill, steal, and destroy. He is a, he is a unfair fighter, and he does all he can to demolish everything God wants for us. That's Satan. That's who he is. And, and in our spiritual battle, he's our aim. He's the one we're aiming at, and, and God has loosed Satan for a short time on the earth, and, and God wants to be perfected in you. He wants to be perfected in me. He wants to be perfect through you and for you and by you to His glory, to God's glory. So as Satan's loose time on this earth right now, God wants to be perfect in us. He wants to be perfect in who we are. So we need to be equipped. That's our second thing this morning. Be enlightened. Secondly, be equipped. We need to equip ourselves with convictions, with beliefs. And we've talked about truths. We've talked about this spiritual armor. And it's not something that we get up and put on every day. But it's a set of convictions. It's, it's a set of truths that we live by. It's, it's who we are. It's, it's beliefs. And... And those are provided by God through salvation. Did you hear that? Those truths, those beliefs, those convictions, they're provided by God in salvation, through salvation. And listen, folks, they're released in us through the Spirit of God. 
So God provides them for us. The Spirit of God releases them, and we're activated in us through the Word of God. So we have it provided by God. We have it released to us through the Holy Spirit of God. And then we activated, we have authority through the Word of God to use those truths and to be equipped with what He's equipped us with. Just real quickly, and I won't spend a lot of time here, we're going to go over that armor one more last time. We're, we have the belt of truth. That's the, that's the centerpiece of our armor. That's the, 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 the truth of God that, that belts around, that holds everything in. And remember, the truth of God is a God's person, His character, His Word. It's not us telling the truth, which that comes along with salvation, but it's truly believing that there's nothing false in God. God is true. He is right. He is, His character is always right. His Word is always true. We belt ourselves. We bring ourselves together with that belt of truth. This is the message in 1 John 1, 5. This is the message that we have heard from Him, and we declare to you that God is light, and in Him there's no darkness. There's none at all. We're to gird ourselves with the belt of truth. We're to put on the breastplate of righteousness. God has imputed and in, 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 imputed His righteousness upon us. That simply means He has put His righteousness into our account. And we have that righteousness. And remember, that word righteousness simply means a right relationship with God. We have that righteousness through us, in us, through salvation. And we've been, we've been set aside by a living God that we might be righteous before Him. And God has given us that. We put on the breastplate of righteousness. We model ourselves. Our mission, our, our, our mandate should be after what God would have us to be in that right relationship, that righteousness that God has imputed within our account. The shoes of peace, that's the peace of God. That's simply understanding that, that we're to bask in the provisions of God and know that His presence, His power gives us confidence to walk in faith, that we have a peace. Whatever the storms of life is, that we have a peace. Remember when Jesus was on the, the boat, and I'm not talking about when Peter was there walking on the water, but Jesus got in the boat and, and He was there asleep in the front of the boat and the disciples went and woke Him up and said, God, don't you even care that we're in the middle of a storm? Have you ever done that? Have you ever been in the middle of a storm and said, God, don't you even care? And, and Jesus just got up and, and what did he say? You remember? He said, peace be still. And immediately the, the oceans were calm. And, and God is saying through the armor of God, I've given you the shoes of peace that we can walk in confidence even in the midst of the storm. We can walk in confidence and say, I have the peace of God no matter what the circumstances I'm living in. Then he says, put on the shield of faith. And that enables us to deflect the fiery darts of the evil one. And we talked about this last week about how that shield, it, it, it comes in as, as our everyday battle. It also comes in that community of faith as we join together those shields and move uh, like a tortoise shell. We talked about that last week. I caught part of a, a movie on TV. Friday night late. As a matter of fact, I went to sleep with it still playing, and and uh, I can't remember the name of it, but it it showed those Roman soldiers, and and they gathered together, and they latched those shields together, like we talked about, and they they all huddled down, and and they made their shields, and there was just a dome of protection, and that's the that's that shield of faith that God says that we should have, and we find that in the community of faith coming together. 
Then the helmet of salvation, that's the knowledge and the reality of the work of God on the cross, on Jesus Christ on the cross. And when we put on that helmet of salvation, it it gives us justification. And that word justification, just as if I had never sinned. Not only does it give us justification, it, it gives us sanctification, which is simply means we've been set apart. So we've been put before God just as we've never sinned, and God has taken us and He has set us aside that He might be glorified through us. And that's what the helmet of salvation does. And then lastly, the sword of the Spirit. That's the powerful two-edged sword. We read about the Bible, the Word of God, that it it can separate joints and marrow, the the two-edged power of the Word of God. And we're to take up that sword of the Spirit. The Bible isn't just a book. It's the oldest living book, and the author is still alive. That's the Word of God, and we're to take up that sword of the Spirit. If you honestly examine the Bible, you'll discover that you don't examine the Bible. The Bible examines you, and it begins to reveal to us where God wants us to be. So we're to come before God, and then we're to be empowered, the key to empowerment. And that's where we're going to kind of close this morning. And here's the key. We find it in Ephesians 6, 18 through 20. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, in all times. Listen to this, with every kind of prayer and request. For the same reason, be alert with every kind of effort and request, not only for yourself, but also for all the saints. We did this one time. If you're a born-again Christian this morning, I want you to say out loud, I'm a saint with me. I'm a saint. Say it again. I'm a saint. One more time. I'm a saint. Isn't that hard to say sometimes? Because we know ourselves. But remember where the battle is? The battle is the Lord's and God has the victory. And through Jesus Christ, we're a saint. Because our battle's not flesh and blood. We think fleshly and we think in flesh and blood. But, but we're to pray for all the saints. That's, that's brothers and sisters in Christ. And Paul says, also pray for me so that when I open my mouth, the right words would be given to me. Then I will boldly make the secret of the gospel or make known the secret of the gospel for those whose sake I'm ambassador in chains, designed to declare it as boldly as I should. You know, a lamp with a fictioning, with a, with a fictioning light bulb, these lamps that we have here, matter of fact, we have six of them that are off. They have bulbs in them and they work. And, and the problem is, if we don't, in, if we don't turn the switch on, if we don't introduce the electricity, the power of the electricity, well, it's just an empty bulb. That's the same thing spiritually for us. We, we have the Spirit of God. We have Christ living in us, but we're powerless without the throw, without the, the flow of His power through the Holy Spirit. We're powerless. We're simply like a bulb that's, that's, that has everything it needs except the power. We have the power of God, the, the power of our walk through prayer. And that's what I want us to talk about. If there's any area in our life, and, and I'll include myself, that we probably fail as Christians, that's the area of prayer. So, so let's talk about being empowered this morning as we think about the Spirit-led prayer. And, and we're going to think about what Paul says as he brings to close uh, his discussion on the full armor of God. He says there, finally, take up the, the helmet of salvation and, and the Word of God, and here you go as I close. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions. A Spirit-led prayer. Don't pray in your understanding and ability. Did you hear that? 
Don't pray in your spirit and your understanding and your ability, but pray under God's influence. When we think of the Spirit-led prayer, we're praying under God's influence. Listen to some scriptures. Ephesians 5.18 says, Stop getting drunk on wine, which leads to wild living or debauchery, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I love this scripture in Romans 8, 26 and 27. If you mark in your Bible, turn over to Romans chapter 8, verse 26 and 27, and underline this because this is a great lesson about the Spirit-led prayer. It says the Spirit, the Spirit of God, that's the person of God living in us. The Spirit of God helps us in our weaknesses. For we don't know how to pray or what we should pray, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans too deep for words. And the one who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, for the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to God's will. Isn't that a great scripture? It says, you know, we we really don't know how to pray sometimes. We really don't know even what to pray for. We don't know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes. In other words, He he becomes our go-between. He becomes our lawyer, and and He goes before God with with groans and and words too deep, or or, or, uh, groanings that are too deep for words. I heard this illustration, I may have told you this before, and, and it, to me it was a great picture of how we understand that. And, and it was a picture of a, of a man, and it could be a man or a woman, and they had, they had suffered a, a stroke or some type of, of, uh, of, of infli- affliction that, that kept them from speaking correctly. And the pastor went and visited, and, and uh, as he stood there at the bedside, the wife stood nearby, and, and the, the, the man just kind of, he kind of just moans and moans. And, and the, the pastor looked at the wife, and the wife said, he, he asked if you would pray. And, and the man said, and, and the wife said, oh, he wanted you to read this scripture. And, and see, she, was, she had spent so much time with the husband that, that she was able to look and, and she was able to hear those words. Through, through those groanings, she, she was able to hear the words he was using. And, and think about the Holy Spirit of God. We, we come before God with words that, that they just don't make sense. But the Holy Spirit of God, He, He intercedes for us. He, He takes our words that, that wouldn't make sense before God and He goes before God with groanings too deep for words because the Holy Spirit searches our hearts and He knows the mind of the Spirit. And the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to God's will. So when we think about those Spirit-led prayers, that's when we go to the Lord in prayer, we we need to allow the Spirit of God to lead us in those prayers. In praying, we must, uh, we must let the Spirit of God free us in our prayer time. Over in 2 Samuel 7, 7 through 29, the, the Bible says, David found this prayer in his heart. See, David was praying to God, and, and God revealed a prayer to David in his heart. The, the Holy Spirit of God said, David, here's how you need to pray. And the Holy Spirit revealed that. The Holy Spirit tells us what to pray. The Holy Spirit energizes us in our, in our prayer, and the Holy Spirit gives us strength. He gives us insight. He gives us conviction as we pray. So we're to pray in the Spirit with Spirit-led prayers. The next thing, we're to pray continually 
We're not to pray with vain repetitions. That's what the Bible says, as the heathen do, as an occasion, as, a, as simply a ritual at some appointed time. You know, the, the Pharisees, y'all remember that? The, the Pharisee went and he, he used all of these fancy words and he tried to impress God with all his knowledge and all the words. And, and Christ said, don't pray with vain repetitions, just those vain things over and over, as the heathen do, our own occasions or as rituals in praying. But he says, at the appointed time, we're to be in the constant attitude, the constant communication of prayer. Prayer isn't isn't something that we just have at a ritual at certain occasions, but we're to be in this prayer at all the time. That's an attitude of heart. This morning you might say, well, I I, I don't see how you can just just have that, that constant presence of prayer in your life. If you think that, I want you to think about something. I'm not knocking this, but I want you to think about it. Are you in constant communications with somebody every day? You got a cell phone, don't you? You are in constant communication with somebody. It amazes me. We, you, it doesn't matter if you're young or old for the most part. If you've got a cell phone and you're talking to somebody, before you get through talking to them, they're going to go. Or they're going to go... What are they doing? They're in constant communication. We're in constant communication, aren't we? You could be carrying on a conversation with somebody, and in the middle of your conversation, they'll go and look back at you. That just burns me up, folks. I, I, and I do it sometimes, you know. I feel the need to explain sometimes. I'll say, well, I'm, I'm doing this, you know, so I'm not ignoring you. But, but, but socially, we stay in constant contact. But when we think about spiritually the attitude of prayer, we think, I don't know that I can do that. We can stay in that constant attitude of heart of prayer. That doesn't mean we walk up and down the halls of our job or our office or in a fat pastor or in a tractor, wherever we're at, going day after day, saying, you know, we're just bowing our heads, we're praying. It's simply having an attitude of heart that we're in, we're in a constant relationship with God. We're, we're, we're praying in all occasions, on continual prayer. We're staying at, keeping those lines of communication open. So we're to be in continual prayer. We're to have a varied prayer. It says there, with all kinds of prayers and all kinds of requests, and we don't have time to go into all these, but there's, there's prayers of praise. There's prayers of confession. There's prayers of petitions where you're praying for someone else. There's prayers of, of supplications. There's, there's intercessory prayer. We're to pray in public. We're to pray privately. We're to pray out loud. We're to pray uh, silently. We're to have whispers and we're to pray verbally and with our hands and with our bodies and our soul and our hands raised and our hands folded. And, and we're to pray varied types of prayers. When we get back to the Pharisees and we think about those rituals and those occasions, they prayed to be seen by men. And they prayed these types of prayers, but the Bible says we're to pray varied prayers. Prayers of thanksgiving and praise, confession, petition, supplication, intercession. We're to pray many types of prayers. We're to be watchful when we pray. You remember with Nehemiah? I love the story of Nehemiah. He's out building the wall, and as he's building the wall, uh, he realizes there's an attack going to come, and, and they're carrying their, their weapons in one hand, and they're building the wall with the other hand. They were, they were in that, that time of serving the Lord, but they were being watchful. 
And folks, in our prayer life, we need to be watchful. We need to be prepared as we pray that Satan, the Bible says he's prowling around like a roaring lion seeking that which he can devour. And, and we're to be watchful of him. Even in our prayer time, we're to be alert for our enemy and we're waiting on our Lord's return. And as we pray, we're to be watchful. We're to have a persevering prayer. We're, we're not simply to pray one time and say, it's over. I've prayed, lifted up, and I'm going to leave it there. We hear that sometimes, but, but we're, to, we're, to pers- we're to persevere in prayer. We're to pray continually. It requires tenacity. It, it, it requires patience. And listen, prayer is not about changing God's mind but prayer is about knowing the will of God. It's about us knowing God's mind. So when we pray, we're not saying, God, I want you to change your mind. We're simply praying until we get an answer or till God releases us from that prayer. So, so we're, we're to be, we're to be persevere, persevering in our prayer life. And here's the last thing, intercessory prayer. We're to pray for all believers and our spiritual leaders. We're, we're to pray for their boldness, for their effectiveness in ministry. That's what Paul says. And lastly, pray for me. That I, that I might pre- present the, the gospel of Christ, that I, that I might boldly speak what God would have me to speak. So as we pray, we're to pray for the believers, we're to pray for the saints, we're to pray for the spiritual leaders within our church. And here's the last thing this morning, our aim. Here's our aim, we're to be steadfast. This may be the toughest part, we're to be steadfast. Archibald Namesmith, I don't know him, you may or may not if you're a historian, but he tells us that at the height of the Battle of Waterloo, an officer galloped up to the Duke of Wellington and said, my captain has sent me to request reinforcements for we're being slaughtered down here. The reply was, tell him to stand firm. The officer returned later with the same message, and Wellington said again, tell him to stand. Soon a higher-ranking official came with the same request, and Wellington said, I have no help. I can send you. Tell him to stand firm. The officer saluted and said, there you will find us standing. It says the victory had been achieved. The Duke of Wellington went out found each man standing at his post, all dead, but they laid down their lives for the victory. That's the aim of our mission. We're to stand firm. Three times in this passage that we've been studying, that word stand is used. And each time it's used in this passage, it it's intensifies even more in the Greek. He says, stand, stand, stand. As Paul wrote, that's what he said, we're to stand firm, we're to be steadfast, we're to be immovable. As we're in the spiritual battle, Paul says we need to stand firm. We don't need to get sideswiped as we're in the battle. Don't allow someone to come through and crash into your faith and, and to, to knock you out of the race. If you like NASCAR, you may know Kurt Busch. And, and Kurt Busch, he'll, he'll knock you out of the race if he can. If he has to, he, he, he'll, he'll bump you and he'll ride you out of the race. And sometimes we have, we have people that's in our lives, they kind of intentionally knock us off course. They say, oh, come on, it won't matter. Oh, nobody cares. Did God really say that? That's what Satan uses. And, and it allows us to get sideswiped on our life and we get knocked off course. And, and Paul says, we need to stand. I heard a story about a big old burly guy and he, he even started going up to people and he said, I can whoop you. 
and I'm making a list, and, and I'm going to put your name on my list. What's your name? And he'd write their name down. So you remember, I can whoop you. I got you on my list. And he went around and he, three or four or five people, and, and finally he, he come across this guy. And he said, I can whoop you, and I know I can whoop you, and you tell me what your name is. And, and the guy gave him his name, and he's just kind of old redneck, you know, and he got thinking. He went back and he tapped that guy on the shoulder. He said, I don't believe you can whoop me. And that guy said, well, let me get your name off my list. And he erased it, you know. And, and uh, we need to do that. We need to stand firm. We need to say, wait a minute, Satan. I don't believe you can whoop me because I'm going to stand firm. I'm not going to get, I'm not going to get sideswiped. I'm not going to get knocked off the path, but I'm going to, I'm going to stand firm. The, the other thing is don't get sidelined. Don't get sideswiped, but don't get sidelined. Don't, 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 be, don't be benched by a bad attitude or by bad decisions. You know, sometimes we just get a, a sour attitude and, and we get sidelined. Oh, I'll be there. I'm going to be there. But, but you know what? I'm just, I'm just going to be there. I'm just going to set soak and sour. I'm, I'm just going to kind of sit on the sideline. Don't, don't pull yourself out of the game because you get scared. It's kind of funny. I, it's probably not funny, but I won't use any names, but none of them are here. But we're playing, a, we're playing in the playoffs of football, a little six-year-old, six or not six-year-old, but sixth graders. And we were in the, the next to the last game before we went to the Super Bowl. And, and my starting running back, he ran, and, and uh, he, he didn't go anything. And, and he ran again, and he didn't do anything. And I said, what's wrong with you? I said, man, this is it. We've run this all year. It's worked all year. He said, them guys are hitting hard. And I said, it's all right. Just follow that blocker right there. And he said, I'm scared. <laughs> I don't want to be in the game no more. I was a little different attitude. I said, get out of the field then. <laughs> send somebody else in. His dad on the sideline went, why would you send them out? And I said, he's scared. He said he don't want to run the ball no more. And, and sometimes we pull ourselves out of the game. Man, I'm scared. I, I don't want to be in the game anymore. I'm, I'm tired of the battle. Don't get sidelined by our fears. You know, you hear about godly people sometimes, or they may, you think they're godly people, and they, they just refuse to serve God. They refuse to serve His kingdom. They, they refuse to be a part of His church because somebody hurt their feelings, because somebody said something that, that, that they didn't like or something that, that they didn't agree with, and they, they benched themselves. God didn't bench them. The, the man didn't bench them. They just benched themselves. They, they just said, I'm going to be on the sideline. I, I'm not going to be involved anymore. And Christianity, it's not a spectator sport. Paul says we need to stand. Even when when we want to be sidelined by a bad attitude or decision because we get scared in the middle of the battle or because someone says something we don't agree with or something that may have hurt us, we, we stand firm. Remember Satan, he's using all kinds of tricks to deceive us, to, to tear us down. And here's the last thing, we don't need to get sidetracked. We don't want to get sideswiped or sidelined. We don't need to get sidetracked. Don't lose purpose of your focus. Don't lose sight of your focus and your purpose. Don't, don't get lost in the shuffle of life. You know, if you set out today and you're going you're gonna to go somewhere, and, and this is how I like to travel. If we're going to go to, to skiing in uh, Aspen, I like to get on the road and go. Barry likes to travel like that too. We travel together some. I like to go... And get there. So we set a route. We set our purpose. I'm just going to talk about Barry a little bit. He's terrible, though. He says, we will be in uh, Burlington at 12.08. (laughs) 
And then if you stop and go to the bathroom, he goes, you throw us off schedule. <laughs> We're going to be 1230 now. <laughs> so I bet him a steak dinner. We couldn't be in Denver in 12 hours. We were in Denver in 12 hours. I didn't think you could make Denver in 12 hours, but you can. And that's obeying the law even. But, uh, but you know, stay on course. Set your course. Mark it out. Fix your gaze on the author and perfecter of our faith and stay on course. You know what happens if you get sidelined every time you see the snake farm and you pull over and say, I want to look at the snake farm. What happens? You don't get to Denver in 12 hours. It's 20 hours because everything that comes along sidetracks you. Spiritually, God says, I have a purpose for you. I have a, a place for you to be. I have a place I want you to go and I want to send you and, and I want you to stay on course and I want you to fix your eyes on, on the author and the perfecter. I want you to fix your eyes on where we're headed and, and stay on track. As we think about these things, uh, to, to be where God wants us and to do what God wants us accomplished to do, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. Hebrews 12, 2 says, fix our eyes upon Christ, the author, the perfecter of our faith. Joshua 2, 23, verse 6, Joshua 23, 6 says, don't turn to the right or to the left, but through God's word, follow in obedience what he has for us, not to the right, not to the left. Joshua 24:15 says, "On this day, choose who you will serve. This day and every day, as we think about being on track, we need to choose this day who we serve, fixing our eyes on Jesus, not turning to the right or to the left. And we need to determine in our hearts who's going to rule and who's going to reign over us. We determine in our hearts, are we going to submit ourselves to Christ, that one person, or are we going to let Him rule and reign in our hearts, or are we going to allow Satan to sidetrack us and sideline us and get us get us off track and, and allow Him to to rule and to reign in our hearts. What's our aim today and where's our strength? We find it in the Holy Spirit. Here's where we're going to close this morning. The battle is the Lord's. That is great news, folks. The battle is the Lord's. And, and though we're, we're, the, we're, we're, we're what's being battled for, the battle is the Lord's. And you know what? We have victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. As we pray together. Father, I pray today. As we just think about the spiritual battle that we are in and that we're fighting in, Lord, and Father, we know Satan today, he, he'd do anything he can to come and destroy what you do in our lives. He'll parade around as an angel of light. He'll parade around seeking that which he can devour, hiding in the weeds and the grass and ready to pounce out. He simply rotes around looking for a little foothold, just something he can just... Get a toehold in and he can begin to destroy and tear down what you're doing in our lives, Lord. I pray, Father, that we would know that you've equipped us through the Holy Spirit of God with everything we need in this battle. I pray, Lord, that we would know that uh, the battle is yours and the victory is won. But it rages on within us. Lord, I pray that we would turn our eyes upon you. And Father, we wouldn't just uh, be sideswiped by everything that comes along. Lord, I pray that we would stand firm and, and we would stand as things come along to, to knock us off path. Lord, I pray that we'd stand strong in you. And Father, we'd, we'd fix our eyes on you and, and not be sidetracked by everything that comes along. I pray, Father, we wouldn't look around at people in the church and allow them to... Uh, to hurt us or to cause us to turn from you. But Father, our focus would be upon you 
upon our struggles, upon our sins. And Father, we together would lock our, fa- lock our shields. We'd, be- we'd build that moving shield as a community of believers that we'd be able to withstand what Satan would hurl our way. Lord, I pray today as we move on from this study, it wouldn't move on from our hearts, from our minds, but Father, we would be equipped with the full armor of God that we might be able to withstand when Satan attacks. Father, I pray that we'd understand the key to all of this is prayer. Lord, I pray this week that your Holy Spirit would convict each of our hearts here this morning. Just this week, just start with one week that we would commit to you to pray every day this week for the next seven days. We'd just right now say, Lord, I'm going to commit to you. I'm going I'm to have a prayer time this week. You may be doing more than that. That's great. But I want to ask the Holy Spirit right now. We're asking the Holy Spirit of God. God, help me this week every day commit some time to prayer. Lord, I pray that we would understand the strength of our church, the backbone of our faith, the glue of our armor we find in prayer. Lord, forgive us when we neglect prayer, but Father, I pray that this week we would be in a spirit of prayer, in constant communication with you. And then, Father, we'd be amazed at what happens as we spend time with you. Lord, I pray this morning as the Spirit moves in our hearts that we'd surrender to you wherever you would lead us as we have a time of invitation that we would, we would allow you to lead us as you wait on us to move. We know your Spirit's already moving in our hearts. I pray, Lord, today we'd be obedient to you in the name of Jesus.